Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doralstown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may have just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear Sunday's sermon, along with the scripture lesson read by that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org to learn more about our church and all of our diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. Our second reading this Sunday comes to us from the Book of Romans, the chapter 8, beginning at verse 18, reading through 25, found on page 158. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is the word of the Lord. On this second Sunday in the Easter season, this Sunday closest to Earth Day, these texts from Genesis 1 and Romans 8 paint for us two very different pictures of creation. In Genesis, Creation is designed and blessed by God with abundance and goodness and endless variety. In Romans, we hear the words of groaning and longing, as the Apostle Paul tells us that just as we wait for the restoration and completion of the resurrection experience, creation is waiting as well. Waiting in anticipation amidst suffering and oppression. For some, Easter Day, Easter is a one-day event. It's church, gorgeous spring flowers, goosebump-producing music, an inspiring sermon, Easter baskets, egg hunt, family time. A day of celebration, remembering Jesus rising from the dead. However, in the church calendar, Easter is a season. It's a period of time over 50 days until Pentecost Sunday. But it is more than that. Every day, 365 days a year, 52 weeks a year, Easter is to be celebrated. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are Easter people 
We are resurrection people. For us, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is core, it's foundational identity for us as to what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so the resurrection is never to be limited to one Sunday a year. Every day is a celebration. Every day we live with the reality of death, but a savior who has conquered that final enemy and who promises that we are created to be eternal, every day should be Easter for us. We are Easter people. The impact of the resurrection to the promise to, of a life eternal is connected to a distant future in time and space when Jesus will return and reign, a time when our bodies will be restored and reclaimed and resurrected as well. It is those things, the resurrection, that we celebrate and more. And in Romans, Paul is including the good news that the gospel of the resurrection includes all of creation, the earth and heaven above the earth, creatures and all living things are included in the victory that Christ has won over death and decay. Theologian and scholar N.T. Wright says this about the resurrection and creation. With Jesus, we realize that what we call heaven, God's space, and what we call earth, our space, are designed to work together, to overlap and interlock. And we humans are created for the specific purpose of standing at the threshold between the two, summoning up creation's praise before the creator and exercising responsibility on God's behalf over the bits of the world that may be entrusted to us. If your media feed this week was anything like mine, you've been bombarded with emails, links, advertisements, invitations, text messages, mailings, articles online, or in the paper about the state of the earth and its inhabitants and what we can or should do about it. Climate change, global warming, species extinction, air pollution, toxic fumes, toxic waste, destruction of natural resources, forests and water, as well as nuclear destruction of people and the environment are daily fare. It's overwhelming and discouraging and easier to ignore than to find the time to absorb what is happening in our world and ways to participate in change. As Easter people, how we stand then at this fresh threshold that N.T. Wright identifies, how do we stand at this threshold of people who are freed and enlivened by the resurrection and yet face the responsibility of a world that needs care and attention. What is our responsibility? How 
do we do it? Jesus, in life, in his death, in his teachings, and his, into, and his rising to new life, challenges our assumptions about ourselves and about the ways we should live. We need to come to grips with the good news that Jesus is the victor over death, not just our death, but all death. Jesus told us that God loves the world. God loves the world and sent Jesus to redeem all of it. God loves this beautiful, intricate, amazing world. The Psalms are filled with the elements of creation praising God. The mountains, the rivers, the rain, the sun, the moon, the stars, the birds, the fish in the sea, the animals that roam on the earth, all have their place and their purpose in praising the Almighty. For a long time, the message of good news has been focused primarily on saving souls, calling people to hear and believe the good news that we have forgiveness and reconciliation and relationship with God. And this is a good and primary message. But there is a broader message in this good news as well. It is the message of redemption for all of creation. The creation story in Genesis speaks of periods of time that God took in creating the earth and creatures as days. However they may be measured, these periods of time were extensive, and God took more time creating the world than God did creating humanity. The Genesis story allocates five days for creating the world and one day for creating people. This world matters to God. It is a divine gift, lovingly created just to sustain life. Creaturely life, plant life, sea life, bird life, and human life. But this planet is not ours alone. We share it, and it was blessed by God and pronounced good. In the very first verses of Genesis, of the Hebrew text, humanity is given responsibility for the beautiful world that God created. God so loved the world and entrusted it to us, to humanity. God's, we are God's stewards to care for it. We must use it wisely with respect and gratitude. Just as God did not abandon humanity when they rejected God, so God did not abandon the earth and its ongoing systems of renewal and restoration. And the earth bears witness to God's faithfulness. The earth, through the seasons of winter and spring and summer and fall, in the sun and moon and stars moving through the heavens, in the birth of animals and plants and all living organisms, they bear witness to us of God's faithfulness. But the earth, like humanity, 
lives with the fetters of greed and avarice, wastefulness, ignorance, destruction, and war that cause all to groan with longing for redemption and release from the bondage of death. But we stand at the threshold as Easter people of heaven and earth, as God's emissaries, God's stewards, guardians of this beautiful creation. We have been entrusted with its care until Jesus comes again to complete the plans and purposes of God. So what do we do? How do we do it? I don't have the answers for you, and I hope you're not disappointed. But I'm, and I'm not going to tell you what organizations to join, what cars to drive, or how long to take a shower. But I want to share with you a practice and a tradition that has been meaningful and inspirational to me. Tikkun Olam. Tikkun Olam is a Hebrew phrase meaning repairer of the world. It is a concept that is deeply rooted in Judaism that refers to the commitment to perfect the world according to God's will through our own behavior, attitudes, and actions. All human activities are opportunities to fulfill this commitment. Every human being can be involved in tikkun olam. Child or adult, student or entrepreneur, industrialist or artist, caregiver or salesperson, political activist or environmentalist, or just another one of us struggling to keep afloat. We all can be repairers of the world. Tikkun is often translated as repair, but in the Hebrew Bible, in the early code of the Jewish law, it had a range of meanings. Improve, fix, prepare, set up, or just do something with. Olam, in the biblical Hebrew, connotes all time. And in later Hebrew, it came to mean the world. So tikkun olam literally means to do something with the world that will not only fix damage, but also improve upon it, preparing it to enter the ultimate state for which it was created. One poetic writer describes it this way, tikkun olam is a fine-tuning of our world's voice. With each tikkun, we are creating meaning out of confusion, harmony from noise, revealing the unique part each creation plays in a universal symphony that sings of its creators, of its creator. The word olam also means hidden. So we need to repair the world so that its creator is no longer hidden within, but shines through in magnificent, harmonious beauty. 
As Easter people, we stand at the threshold between heaven and earth. With the good news of the resurrection as the lens through which we understand our place in God's plan and purpose, but also with the invitation of tikkun olam to live our lives as repairers of the world, to live our lives in such a way that what is hidden of God might be revealed and seen to praise and worship and thanksgiving. May it be so. May we live in tikkun olam. Let us pray. As I pray today, I'm going to offer a poem written by E.E. E. Cummings as a prayer. I thank you, God, for most this amazing day, for the leaping greenly spirits of trees and a blue true dream of sky, and for everything which is natural, which is infinite, which is yes. I who have died am alive again today, and this is the sun's birthday. This is the birthday of life and love and wings and of the gay, great, happening, illimitably earth. How should tasting, touching, hearing, seeing, breathing, any lifted from the know of all nothing, human merely being, doubt, unimaginable, you. Now the ears of my ears awake. Now the eyes of my eyes are opened. May it be so. May it be so. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.